Take your Bibles. Turn with me to the book of, you know where. Turn with me to the book of Philippians. Boy, we're on my favorite thing, and I love to talk about this. I love to help people with this. All right, we're going to talk tonight. I'm going to ask a question tonight. When did you stop dreaming? Tonight, when did you stop dreaming? We're going to talk about dreaming tonight. I love this kind of stuff. I want to, talk, I want to teach you about my father tonight, and I want to teach you about dreams tonight. Um, <clears throat> All right, here's life. Kids are young. They dream, don't they? Ask them, well, what you want to be? I'm going to be a cowboy. I'm going to be a fireman. I'm be a ballerina. Well, I didn't want to be a ballerina. But kids just, they just want to do this stuff. You know what that's called? It's called dreaming. All right, they get a little older. They get in school. And uh, I love to listen to them when they get out of high school. They're going through, you know, they got these dreams. They're going to have families. We're going to, uh, they're fired up about their careers. It's called dreaming. It's when you've got something in your heart you want to do. And you're looking forward to it. It's called dreaming. Why do people stop? Why do people quit dreaming? Um, I, want you to, I want you to get to know the God of dreams. And I want to talk to you about how, what God is like tonight. One verse again, Philippians 2.13 says this. Philippians 2.13, it is God who is working in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, let me read that to you from another translation. It is God who is working in you to plant desires in your heart and then work to bring them to pass. Let me read it from another translation. God is at work in you, planting dreams in your heart so he can bring them to pass according to his good plan. What I learned about God out of that one verse right there, he's not watching you to see if you'll make a mistake. He's working right here. And he's putting dreams in here and he's trying to get something in your heart so he can do something for you. Uh, can, can old people still dream? Yes. How, how would you, what's one of the great marks of a spirit filled person? Do you mind know? Let me quote it to you. Acts chapter two, in the latter days, in case you're thinking this was for years ago, in the latter days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Young people will prophesy. Young men will see vision. Old men will start dreaming dreams. What's the mark of a person who's got the Holy Spirit working in their lives? They start dreaming again. They, they get excited right here, heart level. And they start dreaming at heart level. And, and, great, and he said, old people, old people. You know, my goodness. He wants old people to dream too. All right. Uh, let, me, let me teach you something here. Psalm 103, 7 says this. He made known his ways. God teaches us his ways through his word and through his spirit. Let me tell you how he works in your life. He plants dreams and desires in people's hearts. You don't hear him with this ear right here. You hear him right here. You ever heard this? He speaks to your heart. Well, you don't hear words in your heart. Dreams come in your heart. Let me quote to you, Nehemiah 2.12. I told nobody what God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Over time, God began to put desires in his heart. He began to get excited about it. Well, that's how he works. And then he begins to work. He puts the dreams in there first. And you get to dreaming about this stuff and then he goes to work to bring them to pass in line with his great plans for the earth and for your life. It's, this, is, uh, this is what he's like. Listen, this is his nature. He does this kind of stuff here. All right, consider with me. He is who the Bible says he is. He is a children, uh, excuse me, he is a father who wants his children to live dreaming. How many of you did that? We had three kids. I never in my heart, I never said, I don't care what to do. I hope they lay around in the basement, play video games the rest of their lives. I don't care what they do. I don't care what they do. Now, you know better than that. 
I had dreams for my kids before they were born. Growing up, I, had, I wanted them to do well. I dreamed for that. And I wanted them to dream. And we taught our kids to dream. You know, they, they knew life was more than eating cheeseburgers and punching a clock and burping. I, we would love to excite them about things. Well, guess where that came from? That's the heart of a father who wants his kids to dream. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. We, you've heard this before. I know the plans I have for you. Plans to give you a future so you can live excited about the future and have a life of hope. And, and dream. God's got stuff he wants to put in your heart. And he wants to put it in there. Now, let me, let me help you with your heart for a minute. You, you, got, you got something called a heart. Your life is driven by your heart. Not your education, not your intellect. Your life's driven by your heart. So our Proverbs 4 says, guard your heart because that heart drives your life. Out of the heart come the issues of your life. Your, heart's what it, your life is what it is because of what your heart is. That's why we're told to guard our hearts. All right, we were born to dream. We were created to dream. Your heart comes alive when it dreams and it dies when you stop dreaming. Let me show you something about your heart in the book of Proverbs. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 13. See if this is not the truth. Proverbs 13. Proverbs, you need to read Proverbs. Proverbs, I don't mean just read it one time. Learn the Proverbs. Proverbs is the book of great wisdom. It's the secrets to life for any generation. Listen, technology changes how to relate to people and how to live and what works in the human heart. That never changes through the ages. That's what the book of Proverbs is for. I want you to learn something about your heart from the book of Proverbs. Look with me in uh, Proverbs uh, 13. Proverbs 13, verse 10, verse 12. Proverbs 13, 12. All right, hope deferred makes the heart sick. How many of you would agree with that? Here's a young lady. She's, she wants to get married. She's, she, that's, listen, that's a God-given dream to want to have a mate. And you know, we get these storybook. We'd raise them up with these stories about this handsome prince comes on his noble steed, takes her away to his palace. Yada, yada, all that mess. We feed him that junk. The truth is he's going to show up a pickup truck. You're going to a double wide. That's what the deal is going to be. But everybody, listen, it's him. God put this in people's hearts. They want a home. They want a, they want a wife, a husband. They want kids. They, they want a career. They want to change the world. That's called hope or a dream. What happens when it's deferred? In other words, it don't come to pass. What happens? The heart hurts. Hope, def you lose your dream, your heart dies. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. How many preachers do I know? They were going to change the world and it didn't turn out like they thought it would. And now they're just going through the motions. We were not created to go through the motions. God created this heart to dream. Matter of fact, I saw Mr. Barner recently, broad nationwide survey last year, 40% of preachers would quit tomorrow if they could. That's somebody who's lost their dream. That's somebody who's not dreaming anymore. They've lost hope. All right, but now I want you to watch, watch the rest of it. Let's read the whole thing. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. Let me read it to you from another translation. But when your dream comes to pass, it is sweet to the soul. When your dreams come to pass, that's the sweetest thing in all the world to the heart. Well, who put this in here? I right, learned something about your heart here. Your heart lives on dreams. And, and when your heart stops dreaming, you die. Listen to this one. Where there is no vision, the people perish. When you lose your vision and you stop dreaming and you stop looking forward out there and you, you're not excited about the future anymore, you die. The heart, now you can still eat bread and chicken and walk around and go to work, but you're just a zombie living. That's happening in my nation right now. And people are losing their dreams. They're losing hope. And hope is being deferred. That's why the heart is so sick among people today. Well, we were, we were designed to dream and we were created for that. All right, um, 
Well, what's the first step to, uh, to start dreaming again? Say, person wants to start dreaming again. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to, uh, turn with me to Genesis chapter 15. I want you to meet the dream maker. Genesis 15. I've read this 10,000 times. I love it. I just love to turn to this and just eat it. So brother mine, if you know it, why do you read it again? I ate chicken about every day of my life. I know everything there is to know about chicken, but it feeds me. It was God's words, not for knowledge, just to be fed on stuff. It's for your heart. I want you to look, let's learn something about God. Will you do me a favor? Will you let Genesis 15 teach you what God is like? All right, Genesis 15, verse one. Then these, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram. Now, Abram is Abraham before his name was changed. Came to Abram in a vision saying, watch what God, how do you think God would speak to a man? This is the average guy. He wasn't special. How do you think God would talk to a person? Let's read it. He said to him, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceeding great reward. Uh, that's not the best translation. He said, I am your shield and I'm going to reward you greatly. That's how God talks to people. I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to be good to you. All right. Now I want you, this is one of the most, this is one of the greatest passages in scripture. God almighty comes to this man and says, I'm going to take care of him. I'll be good to you. Guess what he says to God? Watch what he says back to him in verse two. Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me? I go, I'm childless. Matter of fact, the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. The, you've given me all this stuff, but my stuff's going to be left to somebody that is not even related to me. They're going to get everything I've got. He was born in my house, but he's not my son. Then Abram uh, said, look, verse three, you've given me no child. One born in my house is going to get everything I've got. What did you just do? You know, God had been good to him. You can read back uh, two chapters and the Bible said God made Abram filthy rich blessed him with goods and, and silver and gold. God been good to this man. And God said, I'm going to keep being good to you. What did he say? There's one thing in my heart that you hadn't given me yet. Won't you talk to him like that? Listen, the Lord's been good to me. He's been good to you. But has he given you the deepest desire? This, the deepest desire of this man's heart was to have a son. And he wanted to have a son so he could have a legacy and give it to him. So he's praying, God speaks, I'm going to be good to you. He says, you hadn't given me the one thing my heart really wants. Then was you need to tell him, listen, listen to what he said. I love that. You know, I've heard me quote this for Psalm 37, four, delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. Tell him what the desires of your heart are. So Abram told him, I'm going to tell you the desires of my heart. Now watch God. Do you think the Lord would fuss at him for wanting too much? That's not his nature. Verse four, behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir. One will come from your own body. He'll be your son. what God say? Since you've told me the desire of your heart, I'm going to give it to you. He's going to be your son. Now, you know, the, you know what the rub here is, don't you? He's 80 years old. So it took a little bit of faith. But now, what, listen, let's learn something about God right here. And then I want you to start doing what you see next. Verse five. He brought him outside, said, look now toward the heavens and count the stars. If you're able to number them, he said, so shall your descendants be. You know what God said to him? He said, I'm going to give you the desires of your heart and I want you to do something. In your mind, I want you to start seeing children. I want you to, uh, I hate to use the word visualize because that's connected a lot of times with this weird religious stuff. That's exactly what God said to him. Tell me what you want and I'm going to give it to you. And I want, instead of you waiting on me to do it, I want you to start seeing it. What's that called? Dreaming. In your mind's eye, I want you to see children sitting around the table. I want you to see yourself at Christmas with grandbabies on your lap. I want you to start seeing what I'm going to give you. You know what that's called? Faith. That's called faith. This is a God who wants you to start dreaming again. 
He wants to give you the desires of your heart. Now, one of the greatest, that's one of the reasons Abraham is one of the greatest men in the Bible is all because of the next verse. And he said, he believed him. He said, you're going to give me what I want. You're going to give me the desires of my heart. And Abraham began to see this stuff. Let me ask you a question. When you're not occupied at work and your mind's on something, what are you thinking about? All right, we're going to learn that. But th- this is the, this is the, he's a dream maker. Listen, if you, when you stop dreaming, you just exist. You just go through the motions and it steals the heart. All right, let, let me talk to you about this now. Number three, number four, five, where we're at. The great dream killer. There's a dream stealer, a dream destroyer. Guess who that would be? That's Mr. Hornyhead, whatever you want to call him. Now, let me tell you why Satan steals people's dreams and destroys dreams. You know why? Because he has no dream himself. He is sheer miserable. He has no future. He has no dream. The Bible says in Revelation 12, he's angry. He has nothing to look forward to except eternal hell. He knows it. He wants you to live like him. He wants to steal your dream because he lost his dream. And he is the dream stealer. Now, let me tell you who, let me tell you who the enemy will work through to steal your dreams. I hate to say it, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. Religion is one of the biggest things he's ever used to steal people's dreams. Religion will crush your dreams. Because religion, you know why God's got his people in the earth? You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. God's people are supposed to represent him to other people or represent him. We have not represented him well, as far as I'm concerned, in America. And let me tell you what the church has done. The church has represented God as some kind of wizard of Oz, that he's a hard man, hard to deal with. Listen, if you think God's hard and overbearing, you'll lose your dream. Look this up sometime. Matthew 25, Jesus told a story, a parable. Three men that he'd given opportunities to. He said, I'm going away on a journey. I'm going to come back and I want you to show me what you can do with the opportunities I give you. He put dreams in their hearts. Here's your, I'm giving you opportunity. And he gave them to them. And he came back and the first one said, I dreamed and look what I did with the dream. Here, here's, what, here's what I gave you. And he said, you did good. Well done. The second one came back and said, look, look what I did with what you gave me. He said, here. The third one came to him and listen what he said. I knew you were a hard man. I knew how hard it was to serve you. So I didn't do anything. Where did he get this stuff that God's overbearing and hard? Preachers probably taught him that. They misrepresented. If you think God's this hard guy glaring at you, wanting to catch you, You'll just stay, you'll never dream again. Satan will steal your dream with an angry God. Don't superimpose your father's face on the face of God. Let Jesus, look at the face of Jesus if you want to see the face of God. Or religion oftentimes teaches us that he's some detached deity that started everything and he don't care. Do you care about your children? Settled. Or they'll teach you some weirdo religious guy that's totally irrelevant to life and it don't make a lick of sense. I don't understand what religious people are doing in the earth. He's the God of life, not weirdo practices in the church. Didn't mean to be ugly there. <laughs> Listen, he'll, he'll steal your dreams through circumstances. You'll go through things and you'll get crushed so many times. I've told you about older people, you know, 50, 60, really old. And I'll talk to them and, and I know they started out so excited. They're going to change the world. They're going to make a difference. They're going to do this. And by the time they get 50, they're just, they just waiting to retire. What happened? Life beat them up. Life will beat you up and steal your dreams from you. Uh, I, how many preachers do I meet today? They're not near what they were when they started. I'll tell you, preaching's rough. Now, I, I thought all you had to do was just pet the sheep. Bite the hell out of you is what they'll do. I mean, they're carnivores. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
true. Listen to me. Failures will steal your dreams. You'll make mistakes and you'll give up. Let me tell you something. Listen, I love this verse in Romans 11. God never changes his mind about he chooses to bless. You can fail, but he won't stop being good to you. Don't let Satan steal your dreams through your mistakes or through your failures. Friends will steal your dreams. How many well-meaning people have I had tell me now that's a little too big right there? The mouth of Satan and dear friends. You remember a guy named David? He's in the Bible. Did he have a dream? Was he a dreamer? Did you ever notice that the dear friends of God were big dreamers? And uh, one day his whole nation was captured. And as a boy, teenage boy, he went up, he said, I'll set my nation free. I'll kill the sucker. I'll fight Goliath. I'll set. He, it wasn't about killing Goliath. It was about helping people. He said, I'll set the whole nation free. And he said, I will go fight him. And his brother said, you shut your mouth and you go back where you belong. How dare you think you could? His brother railed on him because he had a dream. Do you know what he said? He just walked right around him. He didn't let his brother discourage him. He went in to see the king. He said, I will fight him. I'll set this nation free. Here are the exact words of the king. You are not able. Then as I'm telling you, Satan will get in people's mouths and try to crush your dreams. And you know what you need to do? Just keep right on sailing. Do not let the dream stealer destroy your dreams. You're too old. You're too slow. You're not smart enough. You don't have what it takes. Stick it in your ear. You need to learn stuff. Listen, learn stuff like this. If God be for me, who can be against me? Uh, God gave Abraham this dream. We're going to look at it in a minute. Gave Abraham this dream. He said, one year from now. And he told Sarah, and Sarah laughed till she fell over. If I was an 80-year-old woman, he told me I was going to have a baby. Laughing is not what I'd do. But she laughed. And then the angel said, why did she laugh? All of a sudden, she realized she'd been hurt. She stuck her head at the table. She said, I did not laugh. Angel said, you don't lie to angels, lady. And then listen to this great verse. This is what he said. Is anything too hard for the Lord? You tell me what he can't do. We've got to get this. Is anything too hard for him inside of us? And it, it was, he's the giver of dreams. Let me ask you a question. What's the first thing God ever said to a man? Genesis chapter two. I don't know if you've thought about this or not. Genesis 2, six days he created this earth. He put man in it. And let me tell you what was in that earth. Everything that's in this earth right now was there on day six. Every component in your computer was in the earth on that day, either in mineral form or in seed form. The car you drive, it was in the earth on day six. Mr. Ford didn't invent the car. He just took what God had already put here and rearranged it and you're driving it now. Men have never created anything. God created everything. He was finished on the sixth day and he gave it to men and said, show me what you can do. What's the first thing you ever said to Adam? Here, the earth is yours. I put you in it. Be fruitful. Do stuff. Be successful. Dream. Show me what you can do, boy. And the first thing God ever said to people was do something. Here, I've given you everything you need. Now go show me what you can do with it. And how many people have taken that, that God mandate with a dream and said, let me see what I can do with it. We were created to dream and build and accomplish. That's the human heart that God put inside of people. And uh, I'm gonna quote it again. Let me tell you what my father's like and your father's like. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. Don't think about it, believe it. I just want you to know he's like that. He, he, all through the Bible, he does this kind of stuff with people. It's just wonderful. 
All right. First step to begin to dream. I know so many people that have quit dreaming. Dear precious people, good people, they're going to go to heaven. But you're missing the best. You're missing God's best. You have no idea what's in his heart towards you. And we need to find out. All right, the first step to dream as the scripture teaches us. And let me say something to people here, religious people, Christian people, whoever, I don't know, Jewish people, if you, I don't know who you are. Don't fuss with people that want to dream. Don't, don't be the enemy of God's dreams. When God made this crazy promise to his people, he said, I'll feed you, I'll keep you healthy, I'll protect you, and I'll let you hang around with my people but I got something more than that for you. What do you call it? What was that called? I got a promise for you of the promised land. You know, the promised land is not heaven. It's a picture of the great things God has planned for you. And uh, this guy named Caleb, he grabbed hold of him and he said, we in. We're going to, he dreamed of those houses God's. He dreamed of grapes that were so big you couldn't carry them. He dreamed of the place that flooded. He dreamed of all that stuff. He said, we're going. We're going to do this. Praise God. He was a dreamer. And you know, the rest of the God's people got so mad at him for daring to dream big. The Bible said they spoke a stone in him. Why would you want to kill somebody because they dream big? You know what we ought to start doing? Instead of being mad at people that dream big, we ought to join them. Somebody say amen in here. Amen. Instead of being ill with people that got these crazy outlandish dreams, we ought to say, yeah. Sounds better than watching TV. Your heart lives when you dream. And there's something in there that wants to. We, we were born to drive. The first step is to, you need to start out by doing this. You need to believe what God says. You need to believe him. God gave this, he, he told Abraham, I'm gonna do this for you. Look up, count the stars and think about it. Lay in the bed at night and see those kids' faces. And the Bible said, Abraham chose to believe God. You need to start believing what he says. You need to believe for more and trust what he says. Now, let me go, I'm, let me fast forward. We're not gonna look it up, but I'll quote Romans 4, chapter 4 starts, says this, Abraham in hope against hope believed God. It was a hopeless situation. Your situation might be hopeless. Who gives a rip? I mean, a 90-year-old man, 80-year-old woman gonna have a baby and fill the earth? That sounds pretty hopeless to me in the natural. But the Bible said in hope against hope. It was hopeless, but God's word gave him hope. In hope against hope, Abraham believed. And listen to this. He did not consider the circumstances. He didn't sit around looking in the checkbook and figuring out why he was too old to go back to school and thinking about how nobody's, he didn't, he said he, he considered not the obstacles, but he grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. Let him put a dream in your, and listen, here's how you know it's his dream. If you can do it, it ain't his. It's gotta be bigger than what you can do. I mean, it's gotta be big. And listen, if it's gonna be big, go ahead and go real big. Either go big or get under the porch. You understand what I'm saying here? Do you see anywhere in this Bible that God gave people puny, pathetic dreams like, I'll, I'll get you a sandwich. <laughs> Do you see that anywhere in here? Look at what he put in people's hearts to do. Some, a little spoiled brat named Joseph with a funky coat. And he said, I got a dream for you. Joseph said, what did he? He said, you're going to rule the world. He couldn't even behave. How about Moses? Stuttering shepherd that, was a fugitive running from Jason. I got a dream for you too. You're going to start a nation. I mean, look all through the Bible. Who's doing this stuff? And we're, you know, we're, Lord, help us hold on till Jesus gets back. <laughs> That's some great faith you got there, doc. <laughs> See why we need to get our face out of the Facebook and get our face into his book so we can start dreaming again. 
All right, I mean, throw that in. That's just on the side. All right. We were born to dream and you need to start dreaming. Listen, it's a choice. Open your heart to God and tell him, tell, just tell him, talk, just say, put it in here. Look with me, 1 Corinthians chapter two. Let me show you something about you and him. 1 Corinthians chapter two. Now dear ones, he will put into your heart great things. You'd crawl across broken glass to get to what he's planned for you. I'm telling you, you would. That's what the scripture teaches. Psalm 40, verse eight. I delight, my delight is your plan. Your heart would love his plan because before he does anything in your life, he puts the desire in your heart to do it. If you're serving God and you don't like it, you're not serving God. I don't know what you're serving, but it's not him. I delight to do his will. And that's Hebrew, Hebrews chapter eight, verse 10. He said this, this is the covenant I'll make with my people. I will write my plans in their heart. Well, he don't take a big pen and write on your heart. It means he puts desires in your heart. This, and then he puts desires in your heart. Now look at me at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. It is written, I has not seen nor heard nor entered into the heart of man the things God has planned for those who love him. What does that tell you right there? You don't have a clue what he's planned for you. But it's a custom plan just for you. You know, your, his plan for you wouldn't do much for me, but it's for you. But can you not see that you don't, have an, you don't have a clue what he wants to do for you? Watch the next verse. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. Uh, look down about verse 12. Now we've received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Can you see that? God's got things planned for you. And by his spirit, he wants to show you what they are. And the way the Spirit, the Spirit don't speak to you here. You don't hear an audible voice. He puts things in your heart. I'm going to show you some examples in a minute. And you just, you, you begin to open your heart to God and say, let's dream again. Why don't you just pray that prayer right there? Let's dream again. I want to dream. And just do me a favor. Dream a dream that's worthy of his greatness. Tell him, let's go big. Let's go crazy. Crazy, I mean big, great big. You know what I mean. Open your heart to him and tell him and start dreaming again. And as you visit with God, let me tell you what'll happen. As you spend time with God and just wait on him and let him talk to your heart, all of a sudden something will happen down here and it'll start to grow. And what, what Nehemiah said, I told no one what God put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. And it was to help people. But what, what he put in Nehemiah's heart, it was big and it was expensive and it was wonderful. And he had a blast. Listen, spend time with God and uh, tell him, I, a friend gave me a book years ago. Rick Caldwell gave me a book. It's Oral Roberts' biography. And I gave it to me. He said, you'll like this. I read it. And the title was Expect a Miracle. I said, if I never read it, I've been blessed by it already. What has happened in the Christian community that we're trying to hang on when Jesus gets back instead of expecting a miracle? Who is our God? Ain't he the, excuse me. Is he not the same one in this book? Is he not the miracle worker, the way maker? Let's start expecting something great big again. Family, personal. Let's start dreaming again. And you got to tell him, I, I want you to open my heart. And then listen to me. He puts this in your heart. Come on a minute. And then once it's in your heart, you begin to say, listen, if you say this, thy will be done. <laughs> he ain't put nothing in your heart. You've been going to church too long. When God puts something in your heart, you say, this is how you sound. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Look how he did in the scriptures. There was a God put something in your heart that lights your heart up. You, you, you lay in the bed at night and you think about it. 
and you say, amen, you join, amen means I agree with you. And you, you begin to, and then he does it. And then let me tell you what happens. As you walk with him, he'll begin to, you'll see things happen and you begin to see things happen around you. God is working in you to give you the desires and then bring to pass what he's planned for you. And he'll, listen, he'll always show you the next, there's always a next step when you walk with him. He'll show you the next step. Listen, you need to memorize this verse. This is for every person in this room. Revelation 3, 8. I have set before you an open door. Nobody can stop me. Nobody can close that door. Then it's what you said. It'd be impossible for me to do this now. Where'd you learn that word impossible from? I forget who the preacher was. I, I was listening to him one night and he said, I read the Bible the first time and I realized they taught me wrong at church. And he said, I took my dictionary out. I found the word impossible, took out my pen knife and I cut the word impossible out of my dictionary. I said, that man knows God right there. I cut the word impossible out of my dictionary. Guess where you won't have to cut the word impossible out of here? Cause it ain't in here. I mean, is he not the God from glory to glory who does great things? Matter of fact, in that passage in Romans 4, what said he believed him, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which be not as they do exist. Not talking about dead people, dead marriages, dead end jobs, dead relationships with our families. God calls things back to life again. What's he say? Listen, Romans chapter one says God preaches through nature. What's he say in this time of the year? I know it looked dead a few weeks ago, but what's it look like now, dude? He calls the dead back to life again. I, I like it. I like God. I love it. I just love this stuff. And then he begins to work to bring it to pass. All right, let's, uh, let me give you some examples of how this works in people's lives. I had a friend. I love him dearly. He was a minister. Uh, 20 some years he was a minister. God called him in the ministry and he, he was great. He ministered in some of the largest churches in America. I was in several different churches. He was in my tribe years ago, the Baptist tribe. And he, as a matter of fact, he was in some of the largest churches uh, in our convention there. And a uh, pastor and served in other roles. And he got about, he was in his 40s. And all of a sudden he said, the craziest thing happened. Craziest thing happened. He said, you know, I love, I love working with people. I love help. I live that. He's just one of them guys. He just wants to help people. And ministry was a great way to do it. And he said, all of a sudden, he said, I would just spend time with God. And the craziest thing began to happen. I began to get the weirdest ideas. And he said, I would try to concentrate and pray and meditate on the scripture. And these crazy ideas kept coming. I kept thinking, go away. Well, if it's God, it ain't going away. If it's you, it'll die in two days. He said, it ain't going away. And he said, all of a sudden, these desire in my heart, I began to think, what would it be like if? And he said, these craziest desires began to come in my heart. And here's the thing about it. It was so crazy. Contrary to my education, contrary to what I, my calling, my training, but these, they kept coming up. And finally, I just said, I wonder if this is God doing this to me. He said, so I quit fighting and I would just go to my prayer time. And sure enough, I'd be driving down. You know, when your mind's not occupied with business, I'd be driving down the road and it'd come into my mind. What would it be like to do this? And he said, I'm thinking, what? This sounds like God right here. And he said, he said, I waited for months and it just kept growing. It's like cheap bubble gum. More you chew on it, bigger it grows. He said, it just kept growing in my heart, growing in my heart, it got bigger and bigger. Finally, one day he said, I just said, I can't deny this. This is God. He said, I told my wife. She said, you have lost your mind. That's how you know it's God when your wife thinks you're crazy. That's God. <laughs> and he said, I reached, he said, you reach a point in this thing. Oh, listen, don't, you don't make a decision in a day. Over time, he said, I re you reach a point where you say, I know now this is God. I got to do something. This is in my heart. And let me tell you, he said, I'll, he said, craziest thing. When it first started, I thought it was nutty. Now I'm wanting to. 
And he said, it grew slowly. And uh, what God put in his heart was to leave the ministry and become a politician. You said, that's the devil. <laughs> no, it ain't. And he said, I decided I'd take, listen, this 40 some year old man with three children, this is risky. That's crazy. That's stepping out of the boat right there. Anybody heard of stepping out of a boat? That's what God's people do. They take risks. And he said, I decided, what the heck with school board and county commissioner, I'm going straight to the top. I'll just run for the U.S. Congress. And he did it. He won. His name's Mark Walker. And he was a minister for 20 some years, some of the largest churches in the nation. But God put it in his heart. I want you to serve me in a different capacity now. And can you imagine a man, and Mark's, Mark's pretty reserved. Mark's pretty, he's careful. He's not like me. He's real careful. And can you imagine all of a sudden this stuff comes in his head, go to Washington and be a politician, be a congressman. But it just, that dream just grew in his heart. And, and listen, I, I know it's God. I can be around him and know God put him there. He knows it. And God used him to break down walls that other folks couldn't. That's, that's, that's called a dream. When you just let God put stuff in your heart like that and I see it on your face. God, I hope he don't call me to Washington, D.C. Well, he ain't then. He ain't calling me there. All right, let me go on a level you can understand here. Let me tell you about two girls. One's at the front of the same dream. One's at the back of the same dream. I loved, I loved to talk to kids and ask them, what are you going to do? You know, high school college, what are you going to do? I loved it because you know, you know what they do? They dream. And I asked this young girl uh, one day, I said, I got her aside. We were talking about something. I said, tell me, tell me what you're going to do in life. And she said, well, and she said, and I knew she, she told me later, she said, I'm a little hesitant to tell it because people made fun of me for saying it. I said, well, I ain't people. Tell me what it is. She said, you know what I'm going to do? And you know, when people say, well, here's what I'm going to do. That's not a dream. When they say, you know what I want to do? That's a dream. And I said, what you want to do? Show it. She said, I want to get married and I want to be a mama and have a bunch of kids and I want to marry a farmer and I want to live on a farm and raise them kids and love God on that farm. And uh, she said, you know, people told me, why are you going to waste your life doing that? Have you lost your mind? Listen to me. I said, sweetheart, that's God. I said, God put that in your heart. That's God's dream for her heart. I said, don't you settle for going to college and becoming president of these United States. You do what God called you to do. And I said, now, I said, now let me tell you how to do this. You know, preachers always tell you how to do stuff. Don't go find Romeo. Wait. Let God bring him to you at the right time. Don't get in a hurry. Don't get in a hurry. A lot of girls got in a hurry. Don't get in a hurry. I said, you wait. You just wait. Let this grow in your heart. And you have them babies and you love them and you just walk with God and you farm and you play in the dirt and you think his, tell him his tractor's sexy. It'll be wonderful. (laughs) I said, you'll have the best time. And God put that in her heart. That's where she's at. All right, let me tell you about another lady. Uh, Dear friend of ours, She's a little bit younger than me. She's in her latter 50s, mid 50s. Gosh, you probably killed me, mid 50s. And uh, she was well-educated, brilliant woman, gifted. She could have done anything in business, but God put that same dream in her heart. And she loved God and she walked with him and he brought it to pass just like he said. And she raised a house full of youngins and she lived her entire dream and God was in it. And it was wonderful. She said, I wouldn't trade it for nothing. He said, well, that ain't no big deal to be a mom and raise youngins. Slap him. There was, everybody's dream is custom. And listen, it's not just A, it's multiple. It's, it's, it's a lot of them. Listen to what I'm fixing to say. Every believer, every believer that walks with God should be living a dream and walking in faith. We should, we're born to dream. You should be living in dreams and in 
multiple dreams. Now, <clears throat> let me say this to a little handful of you in here. I'm, I'm too old. And who was Abraham? 80. Caleb didn't get his till he was 85. Um, I, I, let me quote to you again, Acts chapter two. On the, in the latter days, I will pour out my spirit. Old men going to start dreaming. People say, well, the, the way our nation is right now, the, our nation, the way it is right now is crushing dreams. Who is your God? Quit letting this nation tell you how to live. Quit letting the news tell you how to live. Let the Bible fetch your dreams for you. All right, my turn. I want to be, I, God put it in my heart to be a preacher. So if we're going to do it, we're going to go bigger. We're going to stay under the front porch. I never wanted to be minor league. Now I don't mean small is no problem at all. We're going to help people. If we're going to do it, we're going to do it well. Let's help people. And so I dreamed of being in the ministry and uh, I wasn't cut out for ministry. I'm not ministerial material. I'm, I'm too rough for it. I'm not polished enough. I say things I shouldn't say. Take it up with the boss. All right. And so I said, we're going to do it. We're going to do this. And, and I've never just been in this for a job. I've always dreamed in this job. We, we can do this. We do this. And I dream big. Matter of fact, to be honest with you, I'll probably get in trouble for saying this. That's why people struggle to work with me. I dream a little bigger than the average church worker and that creates a little conflict sometimes. So be it. I ain't coming down to your level. All right. <clears throat> All right, now here I'm 65. I'll be 65 for long. I'm winding down. You know, I've already resigned from here. And, and sometime back, my heart began to turn from this. Some, this somebody else's blessing now. And I'm trying my best to keep it in the road till he gets here. But I'm not going to retire. Do you think I'm going to buy Velcro tennis shoes and go sit at Biscuitville? <laughs> and then move over to Walmart? And then go home and watch reruns of Gunsmoke? What's the matter with you? I'm not going to retire. I got a brand new dream and I'm like a 12 year old who wants to be a cowboy. I mean, I got a brand new dream and it's going to take about 20 years to pull it off. You said be 85 years old. Yeah. I'm as strong at 85 as I was at 40. That's why I'm taking care of my old truck. So it'll run when it gets there. And, and I eat, breathe and sleep this thing. And I just wait with God. It just gets bigger and bigger in there. And I cannot wait. And let me tell you, so I learned something from two boys in the Bible. Joseph and Nehemiah. God gave Joseph a dream. He went out the next day and told everybody and almost got him killed. He liked to got whooped for telling his dream. Nehemiah said, I didn't tell nobody what God put in my heart. You ain't fussing at me. So I've learned like Nehemiah, I ain't telling nothing until it's time to do it. So now I've told no one what it is. And uh, you know why? I don't want people laughing at me. Remember, it's not he who laughs, it's he who laughs last. And it's bigger than I can do and he'll pull it off. I'm so excited about it. You're not supposed to croak and die before you die. You're supposed to live till the day you fall over, planning, going, let's go, cowboy, let's go. I think. All right. All right, let me ask you, now it's your turn. I told you, but I just told you it's your turn. Let me ask you a question. What's in your wallet? I mean, <laughs> watching too much TV. All right, Ray, forget that. Start over with me here. Let me ask you a question. If me and you was to sit down, I would ask you, what's in your heart? What's in your heart? What would you tell me? What's in your heart? There ought to be something in there. Let's get something in there. All right, let me tell you what, let me tell you what the first, let me take a step of faith. Let me tell you what the greatest steps of faith you can take. Now, this is, this is one I preach out of. Get you a dream notebook. Get you a little notebook you can dream with. And when you have time or doing your quiet time, sit down and just, just don't get, don't, don't hunker down and say, help me, Lord, relax. 
He will relax and you just start writing. Put things in there you'd like to do. Put dreams that are in your heart. Put things that are, do what he told Abraham to do. Count the stars and think about it. I mean, look at the stars and just dream. Just sit around and start dreaming. What if? Listen, quit worrying so much and start dreaming more. All right, let me ask you, I want you to ask yourself four questions to do this. Uh, what is that right there? I, I knew if I did, I'd booger my book up. All right, four questions that you need to ask yourself. Number one, talk to yourself about this. If money were no object, what would I do? A lot of people locked in financially. That's why it's, well, it doesn't matter. What would I do? Number two, I listen to this one right here. If I had the guts to take a risk, what would I do? How many people can't find their dreams because they're too scared to take a risk? If you go, I don't, that's why I don't understand churches. Our God is the biggest risk taker in the world. If you go follow him, there's going to be a risk. Churches are the safest place on earth. That don't make a lick of sense to me. We ought to be trying the craziest things in church. Just my humble opinion. I got it from reading the Bible. But listen, if you had the guts to take a risk, what would you do? Let me tell you about uh, my son and my son-in-law. Both of them graduated from college, got great jobs with a great company, making more money than I've ever seen a young in that age made. Had it made, they'd been told by the companies, we on fast-tracking you. They, had, they were set for life. They had it made. And both of them quit their jobs and took a risk to start their own companies in something they didn't know what they was doing. And now here they are. They got to learn it all over. They didn't go to college for it. Thank you. There's wasted money. I had to go all over again. And they're, they're, they'll never make the money they were going to make probably. They're going to have to work their rear ends off. They don't know what they're doing. And I told both of them, I'm so proud of you. I, how many people suffered through a job for 40 years just because it paid the bills? I said, I'm so proud of you boys. You had the guts to get out there and take a risk. I said, of course, I told my son-in-law, you, you, you work a side job because I ain't taking her back. You know, we said, <laughs> we said better or worse, Moose. When I gave her away, you got it all. And I, but I'm so proud of them boys. You know why? The, wisdom, natural wisdom would have said, oh, you're crazy. They were. But listen, if you, what would happen if you had the guts to take a risk? What would you do if you weren't? Number three, if I could ignore the critics and the doubters, what would I do? If you weren't worried about what people said about you, what would you do? I don't care anything, show me anywhere in this book that somebody followed God's big dream and a bunch of people didn't try to stop them. And even their friends tried to stop them. Listen, I, I love you. I love, I love people, but you're not my God. You're my friend, but you're not my God. I'll never forget, longest day of my life, I can still see I'm sitting in an office. I decided I don't be a preacher. I'm gonna be a preacher. So I didn't know what to do. I didn't know like if you could like go apply to Walmart. I didn't know where to go. I wasn't brought up in this stuff. I just thought it was like any other job. You just went to see somebody and applied. I didn't know you had to go through channels and all that stuff. I sure wasn't about to go to seminary. And uh, so I went to see that. He was the head man in the denomination. I went to see him and I told him, I said, I'm gonna be a preacher. And he told me, you can't do it. And he said, if you should do it, you'll never have a church that'll ever amount to nothing. And I remember thinking, appreciate you sharing your heart with me. (laughs) Then I remember thinking, why'd you share yours with him? Well, I just said, thank you. And you know, the average person would have thought, now he's the expert, you're just a kid. You know what an expert is, don't you? That's somebody who don't read the Bible. 
So I went back and God said, you just, you trust me. And then I went and a fellow said, you're not going to go seminary. He said, you'll never have a church of any size if you won't go to seminary. No, 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 no. I mean, I, I wasn't in it to get a big church anyway. I'm not in it for the pay. I want to help people. I don't care if it's two old snaggletooth women at No Hope Number Nine. It don't matter to me. You trust God. Don't let people talk you out of anything. One more. If God would work a miracle for you, what would you do? If you knew he'd work you a miracle in this deal, what would you do? Every dream he gave, he had to do something to bring it to pass. What would you do? You don't, you do not know how much fun it is to be stretched out on God and know if you don't come through, we're going to lose the house and everything. Why do we live in this safe? You know where people die? It's called the comfort zone. You know where Jesus lives? Right outside your comfort zone. And he's out there saying, come on. He ain't going to meet you in your comfort zone. Read this book. He meets you out there where if he don't come through, you're dead. God, I love that kind of stuff. We need to live out there. And, and uh, we need to get out there. Listen to me. He's not, relax, relax. He's not going to call you to preach. I've, I've heard you thinking about that the whole time. If you're nervous about it, it ain't you. Listen to what I'm fixing to say. He's the God. He's not the God of a dream. He's the God of dreams, plural. He didn't say, I have a plan for you. He said, I have plans for you. He's got a lot of dreams for you. Let me just, in closing, I got, no, I got let, minus one minute. All right. Let me show you with some dreams you ought to dream from the Bible. Number one, you need to dream personal dreams about you. Let me ask you a question. I don't want to know who you are. I want to know who do you want to be? Who do you want to be? What kind of person do you want to be? Dream it. Find it in this book. Start dreaming it. See it. Number two, you got relationship dreams. Would you like to be married? I'm not, not if you're married currently, I'm not. How would you like for your marriage to be what God said it should be? How would you like for it to be wonderful? I said, Brother Brown, you just don't know. No, look right here. That's why I'm up here tonight. Apparently you don't know. He is the dream fulfiller. And I'm telling you, I have seen hell on earth turned into heaven on earth in homes. And it all started with somebody believing him. All right, I'm going to tell it real quick. Probably not. I'm going to tell it. Trumpet player used to play trumpet at our church here. His name was Earl. I loved Earl dearly. And I said, God, I'm going to tell you where this started. I hope this don't offend you. This is probably the worst I've ever done in church. Thank goodness it's Wednesday night. I come up to Earl one day and I said, what he was cut all right here. I said, what happened to you, Earl? He said, what was his wife's name? He said, anyway, he said, me and my wife was making passionate love in the floor that night. She bit me. I said, Earl was 82 years old. I said, you could have just told me you failed. Didn't he say something about old men dreaming? Talk to me. All right, get that out. But listen to me. I said, tell me, where'd you find her? He said, let me tell you something. He said, we fell in love young, got married, and said we could not get along because I didn't know Jesus. And she told me she walked off one day and divorced me, said I don't ever want to see you again. We were divorced for 10 years. She got engaged to another man, and I got saved, and said God began to put it in my heart, that's your wife. And I want you to start believing me and praying for me to bring y'all back together again. All right. She told him, I never want to see you again. Been divorced 10 years. 
engaged, got the ring to another man. You talk about believing against hope. But he said, you know, Earl said, you know what I did? I said, what he said, I just believed God. And I prayed every night and I trusted God. And he said, one day I got up and nerve, I went and told her. And she laughed at me. He said, I just kept praying. And he said, it wasn't long before God began to deal with her heart. And he said, we've been happily married for 20 years now. Uh, you, you said, listen to me. He is the dream maker. He's the God of the impossible. He, he just does big stuff. And you, I think some of our biggest dreams are relational, family. You, you'd be surprised how many people wish they had one good friend. Tell him you need it and trust him to bring it to you. I'm telling you, he's good. Um, occupational. You've got no business hating your work. Now don't quit tomorrow. Listen to, listen to what the Bible says, Psalm 128. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord and walks in his ways. He will enjoy his work and be very successful at it. God created us to be occupational people. He wants us to work, work with our hands. He wants us to enjoy it. And he wants us to be the best in that business. He wants you to be good at it. And he wants you to delight in your work. Matter of fact, I think I pointed this out to you before. <clears throat> Who's the first man in the Bible God ever filled with his spirit? It's in Exodus chapter 33. He's the first, I'll just quote it to you. It's the first man God ever put his spirit in. And he said there, Exodus 33, he said, I have called Bezalel and I have filled him with my spirit to craft wood, iron, and stones. God filled his, that man with his spirit to be a carpenter. God called him to be a carpenter, be a spirit-filled carpenter. And he was so good at it, they hired him to do the woodworking in the temple. So I don't want to be a preacher. Then he ain't called. That's not his dream for you. Be like Emmett. I don't know if y'all ever saw Emmett, the fix-it man in Andy Griffith. His wife talked him into trying insurance. He hated it. Andy found him back down in his shop tinkering. She went serious. said, let the man be a fix-it man. Do what's in your heart. Do not let money make your life miserable. Don't go for the money. Go for your heart. As a boss man told me one time, when I asked for a raise, you're going to spend no matter what I give you. No matter what I give you, you're going to spend it, aren't you? I said, yeah. He said, case closed. I said, do I get a raise or not? What do y'all think? All right, occupational. All right, how about gifts? Let me ask you a question. You want God to give you some stuff? Said, Brother Brian, you start sounding like one of them prosperity preachers. Thank you. Matthew, let me ask you a question. Matthew 7, 11. 7, 11. Matthew 7, 11. <laughs> if you being evil compared to me will give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father give good things to those who ask him? I love to give things to my kids, don't you? I remember a little while back, my son uh, had a birthday coming up. I said, what am I going to get him for his birthday? What am I going to get him? I said, I'll tell you what he needs. He needs a new pistol to go right beside all the other pistols. So I went out and got him a pistol, Smith & Wesson pistol. I knew he'd like it. And I, it was all wrapped up, gave it to him. We were sitting at the birthday party. I was excited. Um, I just love to give stuff away to my kids or anybody. And he opened it. He was so happy. I could see it on his face. He was so excited. I just blessed the fire out of me because I'm a dad. And he immediately took out his phone and took a picture of it to send it to his sweetheart, who is a left-wing anti-gun activist. <laughs> and I just enjoyed that, not, not the picture. I did. Don't you enjoy giving stuff to your kids? If you being evil compared to me will give good things to your children, how much more? Well, I, I remember years ago, I wanted my own home. I wanted me and my wife to have our own home. Now, let me tell you something. You say, I, 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 wanna, I want God to give me a house. If you want a great big house to impress people, that ain't him. That's you. I wanted home, sweet home. 
I wanted a beautiful home we could take care of and decorate like we liked. And I wanted that to be where our kids grew up. And I dreamed of that. We wanted a log house. And God's blessed us with, his dreams for you are not just go be a missionary. Give tetanus shots to the pygmies. I ain't doing that. (laughs) Don't you want him to give you stuff? I would tell you that a bass boat is God's dream, but number five. How about, how about joys? Would you like for God to give you some joys? This is first Timothy chapter six, verse 17. God has given us so many things to enjoy. Music, arts, hobbies. He, you said, God teaches you how to bowl. Well, there ones, he, he don't just hang around the church. He does all of life. Lady told me, listen, let me tell you a little bit where I think it's so messed up. A lady told me one time, she said, you know, my great regret in life is I always want to learn how to play the piano. I never did it. I said, what's stopping you? She said, I'm 50 years old. I said, what's the problem? She said, it takes about five years of practice to learn how to play the piano. She said, I'll be 55 years old by then. I said, let me ask you a question. How old are you going to be in 55 years, 55 years if you don't learn it? I said, get going, lady. What are you gonna do in your old age? Sit around Walmart? Let's do something here. What is this like about 50, 55? You're supposed to just burp. You need to start dreaming. Uh, the, the joys. Uh, let me throw in one more. You need to dream about ministry. God, if you're a believer, it's in your heart to help somebody. The book of Romans says this. Uh, for, let me do 1 Peter chapter four says this. We wanna be good stewards of the gifts God's given us to help people with and tell him, how can I help people? Now, be careful about this one because the church will stick you somewhere you don't want to be. Church will stick you in the nursery when you hate kids. <laughs> they will. Or they'll make you a deacon and who under God's heaven, well, our deacons here do great, but who wants to be an average deacon in a church and be hateful in meetings? Uh, listen, he don't do that stuff to people. Let me, all right, I'm fixing to go deep. Are you ready? Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. He will give you the desires. But when I see preachers that hate the ministry, I know this, something's wrong or you ain't following Jesus. He is good. And you'll do that. All right. I got to let, let him go. I got to quit here. Can I ask you one more question? I'm going to bust you on this one. This is going to sting a little bit, but I'm, remember, I'm trying to help you. How much time do you spend dreaming? How much time do you spend when you're like, your mind's not occupied at work? How much time do you just sit around and just think about, man, what if? What if? How much time do you spend doing that? How much time do you just spend dreaming? Uh, How much time do you spend worrying? How much time do you spend regretting? You can't fix the past. Drop it. How much time do you spend in self-pity because of what somebody did to you? Drop all that mess. All that time you're wasting worrying and being regretful and looking back sad. Why don't you spend that time dreaming about the future? I made up this saying, forgetting those things which are behind reaching forward to those things that are ahead. And you got to dream it. You got to dream it before you can see it. Here's the deal. If you're going to dream, you have to do it on purpose. Like he doesn't grab you and say, you're going to dream whether you like it or not. You have to start doing it on purpose by faith. Let me tell you when, let me tell you three times you need to dream. You need to dream while you're driving. When you're driving, anybody can dream, dream and drive. I didn't say drink and drive. You can dream and drive at the same time. When you're driving, do not worry about the trouble you're in. Do not worry about the garbage. When you drive, you think about what could be. Just ask yourself, 
If I could do anything I wanted to do, if I could have anything my heart's judged, what would it be? Think about it. Number two, dream while you're waiting. Are you going to spend most of your life waiting somewhere in line? He's going to make me patient whether I like it or not. But don't just sit there. Put your stupid phone up. There's no life in the phone. Dream. And let me tell you the great time you ought to be dreaming when you're laying in the bed. Dream when you're laying in the bed. Don't worry about tomorrow. He's got that taken care of. You dream. And you wake up in the morning. You Listen, train your mind to dream. What did he tell Abraham? Come out here, boy. Look at those stars. Count them and stare at them. He said, quit worrying about what you hadn't had in the past. I want you to start dreaming about what's coming in your future. And let's, let's be a pit. Learn to dream. Listen, God, he gave you a book that shows you who he is. He gave you promises of what he'd do in your life. And he gave you a heart that was made to dream. Guess whose turn it is now? Let's start dreaming again. And I'm going to throw this in one more. I'm going to throw this in again. Go big or go home. Go big. I mean, just go, just say big. Say, dear Jesus, my wife told me she hates my guts and never wants to see me again. I want to praise you and thank you that we're going to be married and we're going to enjoy each other. Go big, doc. Say, God, my dreams have been crushed. I understand that. He understands that. I understand that. Listen to me. What the scriptures say, lift up your eyes, lift up your head, start dreaming again. Let's let's dream big. I mean big. And uh, it beats the fire out of eating cheeseburgers and burping, doesn't it? Lord Jesus, I want to praise you and thank you. Satan is suffocating the dream out of this nation with dead religion, the the continual news feed. Lord Jesus, I, I think this continual computer cell phone news feed is killing us. I don't see dreams coming out of bad news. You said, behold, I bring you good news. It'll bring you great joy. I pray for every person in this room tonight that they'll dream, what if? Don't, don't, Lord Jesus, deliver us from the go through the motions. Get up, go to work, do the best you can. Lift up our eyes unto the hills from whence comes my help. And begin to believe you. What could happen? I pray that we would be possibility thinkers, as your word says. And I want to praise you and thank you for who you are. There's nothing on this earth like having your heart on fire with the next dream. And then seeing you bring them to pass. And then just being so grateful to you saying, God did that for me. He did that for me. And knowing you did it. And living our lives grateful. And then Lord Jesus, right on to the next dream. I pray that for you. I want us to live dreaming and worshiping you and praising you because of what you've done. And I pray people in the name of Jesus, Lord Jesus, help people to learn to resist the devil when the discouragement, the hopelessness, and the despair rears its ugly head. Say, my God's bigger than that. I trust you for that. Let Jesus be glorified. In his precious name I pray, amen.